Chapter Two of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Clavering takes the field. Lady Ursula had followed Lady Pevensey down the stairs. Her face was quite as white as her guests. "'But it cannot be stolen,' she was persisting, with an hysterical pitch to her well-bred voice. "'You must have mislaid it.' "'One does not mislay diamond necklaces worth a king's ransom,' retorted Lady Pevensey angrily. "'I tell you it has been stolen. I locked it in my dressing-table drawer. Mary Gray and Parkins watched me do it. Then I put the key inside—well, I tied it around my neck. Parkins went to prepare my bath, and Mary Gray went downstairs, into the gardens, I think.' She had a headache, so she said. I was sitting with my eyes glued on the dressing-table drawer. I had a presentiment something was going to happen to that necklace. When there came a knock on the door, I opened it, but there was nobody there, just your note lying on the floor. Lady Ursula stared at her in blank amazement. My note? What on earth are you talking about? Talking about? Have you lost your memory? snapped Lady Pevensey, with a vehemence worthy of a Billingsgate fishwife. You seem not only to have forgotten the important matter you had to tell me, but now you don't even remember your note, asking me to come at once to your dressing-room. Lady Ursula's amazement deepened. But I wrote you no note, she protested. Here Mr. Clavering, with a professional air, stepped between the two excited ladies. There appears to be a double mystery here. Have you this note, Lady Pevensey? She held out a crumpled bit of paper. But I don't care anything about this, she cried petulantly. I want my necklace found. Where's Mary Gray? Then Lady Ursula did a strange thing. Before Mr. Clavering could open the note, she snatched it from his hand and tore it into threads. Well, really, he began, bristling with indignation, you have very likely destroyed a valuable clue. Lady Pevensey whirled upon him with increasing hysteria. Archibald Clavering, don't stand there talking of clues that you don't know anything about. Do something. Find Mary Gray if you can't do any more. With ominous dignity, Mr. Clavering advanced to the garden door. "'Forgive me, Mr. Clavering,' burst forth Lady Ursula impulsively. "'I did not know what I was doing. I—the loss of the necklace has completely upset me.' "'Pray, don't mention it, Lady Ursula,' he returned stiffly. "'You are not the only one who is upset.' His glance, as it rested on Lady Pevensey, spoke volumes. At that moment Mary Gray stepped through the doorway. There was a slight flush on her pale face— and her eyes were very brilliant. Lady Pevensey ran towards her. "'The necklace has been stolen!' she proclaimed with hysterical wrath. Mary Gray stopped short, staring at her. "'Do you hear?' demanded Lady Pevensey shrilly. "'The necklace has been stolen!' "'I hear you, Lady Pevensey,' replied Mary Gray in her quiet voice, and brushing by her, went swiftly up the stairs. "'Well, of all the—' gasped Lady Pevensey— but Mr. Clavering interrupted with a question. His mind had been working quickly. He scented a clue. "'Did you go to Lady Ursula's dressing-room?' "'Certainly, but she was not there. I thought it was strange, and hurried back to my own room, thinking I might have misread the letter. I found the dressing-table drawer open, and the necklace gone.' "'Had the lock been forced?' he asked eagerly. "'Of course it had. Do you think the necklace walked through the keyhole?' Mr. Clavering grew red in an effort to swallow his indignation. "'At just what time was this?' he persisted. But Lady Pevensey's loss had put her in a most abominable temper. "'For heaven's sake, don't ask such silly questions! Of course it wasn't more than ten minutes ago!' 
"'If I am to assist you in the recovery of your necklace, Lady Pevensey,' observed Mr. Clavering in his stiffest manner, "'it will be necessary for me to ask you certain questions.' "'To tell you the truth, Mr. Clavering,' she flamed, with quite brutal frankness, "'I hardly think you will be of the slightest assistance in recovering the necklace.' Wherewith she fled up the stairs, sobbing dismally. Mr. Clavering was now fairly apoplectic. Lady Ursula laid a soothing hand on his arm. "'Don't notice her, Mr. Clavering. She is too unstrung to realize what she is saying. When she is calmer, I am sure she will not only beg your pardon, but ask your assistance in recovering the necklace. She really has a high opinion of your detective powers,' she added, in what was, perhaps, more a spirit of kindliness than of conviction. But Mr. Clavering did not take it in this way. He brightened perceptibly. "'You think so?' "'Did she not say as much before us all?' Lady Ursula evaded with a faint smile. "'So she did,' he assented, and his self-esteem, restored, began to follow the clue again by questioning Lady Ursula as to where she was when Lady Pevensey went to her room. "'With my brother,' she answered vaguely. "'I should like to know if your maid was in the room, then,' pondered Mr. Clavering. "'My maid?' A startled look flashed over her features. "'I don't know, I am sure. It is quite likely. I left her there when I went to my brother.' "'Is your maid a reliable person?' "'Rose, reliable?' she echoed slowly. Her eyes darkened, and it seemed to Mr. Clavering that her beautiful face hardened. "'Rose is reliable, in the ordinary sense of the word,' she said at length, in a cold voice. "'She would not steal. I have never missed so much as a handkerchief.' in the three years that she has been with me surely you do not suspect her in a case like this it is well to suspect everyone till they are proved innocent observed mr clavering with the wisdom born of long study if you do not object i should like to question this girl oh i do not object yet there was a curious note of constraint in her voice ringing she requested that rose be sent down to the library the footman was gone some time when he returned, his impassivity was manifestly shaken. "'Rose is not to be found, my lady.' "'You mean she is not in my room?' "'She is not in the house, my lady,' dropping an H in his agitation. "'Ah!' murmured Mr. Clavering significantly. "'Rose, gone!' ejaculated Lady Ursula in a tone of horror, and rushed excitedly up the stairs. Mr. Clavering hastened after, but instead of following her to her room, turned into the east wing and went on to Lady Pevensey's observing that the door was open he approached and asked rather timidly if he might enter and see if there were any clues to be discovered lady pevensey had recovered her temper also settled her switch so she not only granted him permission to search for clues but even murmured an apology for her former tartness mr clavering accepted it magnanimously and remarked with gallantry that he should never rest till he saw the necklace sparkling about her throat as he entered the room, Mary Grey passed out. Their eyes met, and the expression in hers was baffling, a half-mocking defiance, so he read it. A curious young woman, he mused, and made up his mind to observe her more closely. To his chagrin, he was able to discover no clues in the room, nothing in any way bearing upon the mystery, save the open and empty dressing-table drawer. The lock had been neatly forced by some burglar's implement, which was missing. As the diamond-paned windows looked down upon the terrace, with a sheer drop of thirty feet, the thief must have entered by the door. In fact, he was probably concealed in the hall or some nearby chamber, waiting his chance, for although to reach the west wing, where was Lady Ursula's room, 
Lady Pevensey had been obliged to traverse the long main corridor, she declared that she had not been gone over ten minutes at the most. In lieu of questioning Rose, Mr. Clavering insisted upon interviewing Lady Pevensey's elderly maid Parkins, but to all appearance she was as innocent of the theft as her mistress. Moreover, it was to her that Lady Pevensey had first announced her loss, and she had found her diligently preparing the bath. So Mr. Clavering, perforce, mentally crossed Parkins off the list of suspects, but underscored the name of Mary Gray. "'Did you?' he inquired of Lady Pevensey. "'Notice when you stepped into the hall that any door near yours was ajar?' "'Mercy me!' she shivered. "'Do you think that the thief was hiding in one of the guests' rooms, watching for me to go out?' "'It is quite likely,' he responded impressively. Lady Pevensey was duly appalled, and Mr. Clavering found difficulty in calming her sufficiently so that she might answer his question. He finally learned that she had observed one door ajar, the one directly opposite hers, Lord Meldrum's. "'But he was there himself,' she asserted excitedly. "'He looked up as I opened my door. When I came back, his was shut. It has been shut ever since.' Mr. Clavering felt that he must abandon the clue of doors ajar. It was hardly possible to suspect Lord Meldrum, reputed one of the wealthiest peers in the kingdom, of connivance in the theft of the necklace. So he went back to the evolving of his first clue. Lady Ursula's maid had not disappeared without cause, and it was altogether probable that she was the deliverer of the decoy note, if not the actual thief. Suddenly he remembered that the torn shreds of that note were even now lying upon the library floor where Lady Ursula's nervous fingers had flung them. The piecing together of those torn shreds might be his first step in the unraveling of this mystery. But when he reached the library, not a scrap of the note was to be found. He even got down on his knees in his immaculate evening clothes and peered under every article of furniture in the vain hope that a breeze from the open garden door had blown the bits of paper about. "'Have you lost something, Mr. Clavering?' suddenly asked a soft voice with just the faintest suggestion of mockery mr clavering hastily raised his flushed and perspiring face from the dusty depths beneath the escritoire mary gray stood smiling in the garden doorway as she repeated her question mr clavering rose to his feet with what dignity he could and with his handkerchief carefully flecked the dust from the knees of his trousers he was aware that his position had been a very ungraceful one for a man of his standing and years, and it pleased him still less that this cool, self-possessed young woman, whose every glance, at once angered and attracted him, should have discovered him at such a disadvantage. Worse than all, his hitherto always immaculate collar was actually wilted under the stress of his detective zeal. Archibald Clavering, the acknowledged Beau Brummel of the Portsmouth Manor house party, for the first time in his life blushed at himself. One thing only comforted him. Lady Pevensey was not there. To hide his embarrassment, he assumed a pompously stern air. I was searching, Miss Gray, for a letter which I had reason to believe I left here. Under the escritoire? she queried sweetly. Mr. Clavering was a gentleman, and he restrained himself. Letters have been known to drop, he returned, acidly dignified. Quite so, she assented, and with another smile was gone. Mr. Clavering walked rapidly to the bell-rope, and when the footman appeared, once again his impassive self, he bade him find out if any of the maids had recently removed torn bits of paper from the library floor. The report of the inquiry was that no one of the maids had entered the library since dinner. Mr. Clavering was not surprised. Decidedly, Mary Gray required watching. 
End of chapter 2